would definitely say that it's important to not necessarily listen to everything that's out there in terms of the mainstream media. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. All right, and welcome to another episode of The Right Club Podcast, another episode with Alfonso Salemi and Sarah Larby. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited about doing this podcast. It's been really fun so far with you as my co-host. Yeah, I hope they're getting better. You guys let us know out there. Please go and review us and tell us what you like, what you don't like. And yeah, I'm having a lot of fun doing these. And today was a really interesting one because I'm not the first guy to go out and you know spend a lot of time in the mortgage brokers, the numbers world. It's not a big interest to me, but having an expert like Sean on the podcast, he was really good kind of talking from a different perspective, how to pay your mortgage off quicker, playing a little offense and defense. Yeah, I, was, I think it was a really good podcast. What did you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I mean, it's definitely a different point of view because for me, when I'm in buying investment properties, I prefer to get cash flow. And to be honest, I don't know if I would pay down my mortgages as fast as he recommends. Now, these are investment properties, of course it's different. And one of the things I really liked that he mentioned was it's based on your goals and it's based on what you envision, your time frame, your horizon, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of this is based on your primary residence, which is not an asset. So I really like that. I mean, it's a different way of thinking. And if you're not an investor yet and you're not too sure if you're gonna be buying your house or renting, as your primary residence, there's lots of uh, great insights. And also he house hacks, which is awesome. He's got a tenant and that speaks my language. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? We, we always think, you know, the right club nation, people in the right club, in our online community, we have such an investor mindset, right? Cause we're always talking amongst ourselves. How can we strategize, invest more, take equity out, get more cash flow? But we have to remember a large portion of the population doesn't invest in real estate, right? And they're, they're figuring out different ways, paycheck to paycheck. And I see that a lot from our rent to own side of things, right? Our clients, a lot of them are different financial situations of why they can't qualify. So when I first met Sean and, and we were talking about the different ways, I see that as it's helping like the masses, helping more people to kind of get into that right club mindset and then be income investors and those first early steps, right? Like when I first bought my house, I didn't know what, I wasn't in a real estate investor. I'd consider myself the furthest thing from that, right? But how I learned about credit and paying down that initial thing, then yes, I got exposed to the whole world of investing and making it an asset and those types of things. But I think with the book and what he's doing, it's, it's kind of helping the masses of people, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, how did you buy your first property, your first house, like the one that you're living in, number house number one, like how did that happen? Because one of the things that was really cool is he talked about the strategies that he used to really be able to buy his house and pay it down fast. And so I'm curious, what's yours? Yeah. So luckily, yeah, I had a deposit. I had some money saved up for a deposit as well too. At the time it was with the partner and we both had money and both of us qualified for the property, but really I didn't know anything about how, what anything was, was like we, I talked to the mortgage broker and basically sent in all the forms and qualified. It was kind of almost like pretty simultaneous. Like my credit was pretty good. I had a decent income, had money saved up. So it was a pretty easy follow through in terms of qualifying. But it was after that when I really started learning the importance of qualifying 
and being credit worthy and, and qualifying for the mortgages after that. I was really kind of guided through it in a really as like a retail sense, right? Just buying a house, you need a mortgage broker and, and doing the normal stuff. How about you? I never, I don't know your first house. I always know your first rental house, but how about you? Well, <laughs> Matt and I, so we've been together 13 years. So first house that we bought, I mean, it was definitely not with a full 20% down. <laughs> we didn't have that much money, but we both like worked really hard. Like he did overtime. I worked a second job. I actually just saved like everything that I could to buy the house. And then I really, really were like so frugal for <laughs> the longest time. And even when we bought our first investment property, I remember being able to cash out at the job that I was working my vacation pay. So I would take like, instead of my three weeks or whatever was allocated, I would take one week of vacation that I would cash out to and I would save that money. But I also like worked like insane amount of hours to be able to, to make more money. And so I think that's the combination of all those things really helped. And it was a really slow game, but it was totally worth it looking back at it now. Yeah, and he does touch upon that, both the offense and the defense. And, and I think what the over, what you definitely had and what you just described is really that discipline, is that you had that goal and you were saying, you know what, every extra penny, like cashing in vacation time, absolutely, like that's the discipline that you need to go get that first mortgage without having help from anybody or doing that. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into this podcast and learn more, but definitely check out therightclub.com. All the information that we have on there, join the community, get on there, let us know what you think. Definitely give us feedback and let us know what you think and hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Let's get to it. All right, and welcome to the Right Club podcast. Sean Cooper, the author of Burn Your Mortgage. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks very much for having me. So we got connected a little while ago uh, actually, she's spoken at one of our events, Lee Moore Markman, and we had a great conversation in terms of how you're helping a lot of people debunk the myths of mortgages and you can't buy houses and it's getting harder and harder. And I'm sure, you know, that was kind of the roots of the book, but why don't you get into a little bit of, about why you still think it's a great time to buy real estate today? Well, certainly you hit the nail on the head. It is more challenging these days to buy a house than when I purchased my house back in 2000 and. 12. I mean, we have the mortgage stress test uh, that didn't exist to an extent back then. But certainly, I think when we look at the fundamentals of the Canadian economy as a whole, there are lots of things working in your favor, such as we still have low interest rates. And when you look at the interest rates today, I mean, they're still amazing compared to historic levels. Like you can get a five-year fixed rate mortgage in the 3% range. I mean, if you look back over history, that's a pretty darn good rate. It's hard to beat that. So the low interest rates are definitely helping people afford uh, houses these days with the higher prices. And I also think, I mean, certain parts of the country uh, in terms of the economy, like Alberta, have been hit hard in, in the resource sector. But I think by and large, the Canadian economy is doing well on a global scale. And as long as you have a stable job and you're committed to staying in, in a place long term for at least five years or longer, then I certainly think that the argument can be had that it makes sense to put down roots and invest in your future by buying real estate. Those are just some of the reasons why I think it's a good time to buy now. So that's really cool. I'm just curious how you came about to know all of this. Like, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became so passionate about this topic? 
Well, I guess my inspiration were my parents growing up because they were always homeowners themselves. So even when my parents split up, like in, in a lot of cases, both parents end up having to rent. But because my parents put home ownership as such an important thing, they were both able to buy houses. So they were really my inspiration. So it wasn't really a question for me whether I wanted to own a property. I knew I wanted to do that. It was just more or less timing. So I've always been interested in educating myself because unfortunately financial literacy is not that great at high school and throughout school. I didn't pretty much learn anything. I had to read books like The Wealthy Barber and other personal finance books to be well-versed in personal finances. But yeah, I guess a, a bit of a personal finance nerd and was always interested in writing. So I just decided to start writing about personal finance because I saw a need for it with a lack of financial literacy and not only did I help educate myself, I helped educate Canadians as well. And then I used that knowledge to my benefit to purchase a property and now in my new career as a mortgage broker as well. Yeah, and, and Sean, just to let you know, like the Right Club Nation is a really diverse group of people where there's a lot of investors that are have some pretty significant portfolios, some people that are just starting out or maybe just coming out of school and now hearing about real estate and saying, oh man, I should be investing in real estate. So it covers a broad topic, but maybe what are some just general things that you can kind of brush your credit up or, or how you can get funding easier through whether it's the major banks or other avenues? Well, I definitely think if you're a first-time home buyer, uh, it's important to regularly check your credit report and credit score because when lenders are looking at you, factors that they consider are your income, your down payment, as well as how much debt you have and your, your credits tied into that as well. So I just think in terms of your credit, keeping an eye on your credit score and, and seeing where it's at and trying to get up into that 700 range so that you have plenty of mortgage options is important. So that means the credit scores, they say it's proprietary with Equifax, the TransUnion, the credit reporting agencies, but you can just do some basic things like try to pay your bills in full and on time and keep your credit utilization below 35%. So if you have a credit card limit of $10,000, then don't have more than $3,500 on your credit card at any one time. And with identity theft these days, I definitely think it's a good idea to keep an eye on your credit score because they did have a mortgage client where he ended up being the victim of identity theft and it caused him problems later on when he tried to get a mortgage application and it was kind of an area of concern for him. So I definitely say it's important to keep an eye on your credit score and there's the 222 rule which is try to have at least two forms of credit like two credit cards have a limit of at least $2,000 on both of them and have them open for at least two years before applying for a mortgage. That will certainly help you. And that way you might not have thin credit, which can make it harder to get a mortgage, which essentially means you don't have very much of credit history. Definitely, it's important to focus on your credit. Absolutely. That's really well said. So let's just say, for example, somebody checks their credit and it actually is pretty good, but unfortunately, they don't have any money towards the down payment. Do you know of any creative strategies or creative ways that somebody can come up with a down payment? People ask me, oh, is there an easy way to come up with a $50,000 down payment? And I wish there was a simple answer to it, but it requires uh, hard work, uh, but also it requires you to be smart with your money as well. So I kind of see it as two ways. You can kind of go on the offensive, which is, make more money. And you can also go on the defensive, which is 
better spender with the money that you have already. So certainly with the sharing economy, it's easier than ever to make extra money. So find something that you enjoy, whether it's writing or photography and try to make some money in your spare hand. Because I was, when I was saving for the down payment of my house, I was working full time and also was freelance writing and I was able to essentially double my full-time income. And that's how I ended up coming up with down payment of over a hundred and a hundred thousand dollars. I had a $170,000 down payment for one person. So that's pretty decent. On the income side, you can definitely get your side hustle on. And on the expenses side, I would say focus on the two biggest expenses for people. So that's generally transportation and food, but rent first and foremost is important. So I know people when they graduate want to be independent, but going out and spending $2,000, $3,000 a month on rent to have a downtown place, it's a real cash flow drain. So if you don't have any aspirations to be a homeowner, then perhaps that's fine. But if you really want to be a homeowner sooner rather than later, then I think making some sacrifices in those early years will really pay off. So buckling down and perhaps renting a basement apartment, or if you, if you want a place like that, fine, but take in a roommate uh, one or two, and that way you can split the rent and it could be that much affordable. And that way you can have some extra money to put towards savings because yeah, I mean, it would be nice if everyone had their parents to give them their down payment, but that's just, just not realistic. I mean, I had to save a down payment myself and I think it's that way for a lot of people. So by doing those things and saving on food and transportation, perhaps not going out and buying a vehicle right away or using like Uber ride sharing services or, or whatnot, and just trying to be more conscious of your spending, not going out to restaurants, like maybe not going out instead of two or three times a week, once or twice, even cutting it back by that much can certainly help you save money. So yeah, just seeing where your money's going, keep your budget, track your spending. And then if you realize you're spending $300 a month on restaurants, maybe cut it back a bit and have that extra money to go towards saving a down payment. So yeah, all those things combined can definitely help you come up with that down payment a lot sooner. Yeah, and those those are a lot of great tips and advice. And I love the even the two two two. And you mentioned the, the top things of transportation and, and food and obviously where you're living, right? Do you cover a lot of that in your book? And is that kind of revolving around that? Like when it's burned your mortgage, is that kind of a, I like how you put in the offense and defensive. That's what you get into, into the book? Yes, definitely. In the book, I kind of walk people through the journey of being a homeowner. So when people read the title, burned your mortgage, they might think that I focus solely on mortgages, but I kind of walk people through the whole journey. So at the beginning of my book, I start by talking about goal setting because it's nice to be able to want to own a home, but how soon is it realistic that you're going to be able to come up with that down payment and actually purchase a property? So I think goal setting is important and it helps motivate people and basically put a plan into action. Then I talk about budgeting and some ways to be frugal and some ways also to come up with a down payment in some of the government programs, such as the RSP buyer's plan and tax-free savings account for anyone that's not a first-time home buyer. Then I walk people through the steps of actually going out, looking at properties, some of the things to look for, urban versus suburban, which property type makes the most sense, whether it's condo, townhouse, or detached house. Then I walk people through, of course, the mechanics of a mortgage, how things work like amortization schedules. I know how interesting that is. And I also have a whole chapter dedicated to actually 
simple ways to pay down your mortgage. And I also have a chapter that a lot of people like on becoming a landlord and paying down your mortgage even sooner with what I like to call a mortgage helper. So pretty much covers the whole journey. And yeah, I have almost 50 five-star ratings on Amazon and counting. So I'd like to think some people found the book helpful. That's well, really that's cool. Yeah. Can I so, ask you some questions about the book itself? Like, did you self-publish or did you get a publisher? Or how did you even go about it? So like, obviously, you know a lot about finances and about mortgages and how to get yourself out of the, hopefully, the rat race at some point in life. And so you wanted to share this information, but like, can you t- walk me through that process? Like, how did you even come about saying, I'm just going to go ahead and write a book? Like, how did that happen? Sure. So it's kind of an interesting story. I plan to as a bucket list item. I always wanted to write a book, but I didn't think it would happen so soon. So basically the story happened. I was writing articles as a personal finance journalist and people from the media would reach out to me from time to time to interview me about various stories, whether it was banking fees or interest rates going up or whatnot. But it's CBC a reporter called Sophia Harris reached out to me one day and she wanted to know some frugal savings tips. So I was just talking about the savings tips and I just happened to mention, oh, I'm trying to pay off my mortgage as quickly as possible. I'm going to reach my goal of paying off my mortgage in three years by age 30. And she seemed fascinated by that. So the interview kind of shifted to talking all about my plan of paying off my mortgage. And we ended up talking half an hour about that. And she said, listen, CBC might be interested in filming one or two of these stories because it was supposed to be a compilation of like five or six people that they're interviewing, but she's like, I'm going to do a standalone article and they might be interested in filming one of the segments for the national. So she's like, I'll get back to you. And lo and behold, two days later, she gets back to me and says, we'd love to film your big moment when you pay off your mortgage. And I had mentioned to her that I was going to have a bit of party. So I'm like, well, I better go all out for this party and have a big event. So I invited like 30 of my closest like family and friends and had a big party and burned my mortgage papers. And yeah, it was an amazing moment to have that filmed and then kind of mentioned that I always wanted to write a book. So she's like, you should definitely write a book. I want to be the first one to cover it. So kind of be foolish not to write a book if CBC said that they've covered. I mean, I could have waited five, 10 years, but I don't know if they'd be interested anymore. So I pretty much started writing the book four months after burning my mortgage papers and explored the option of going to a traditional publisher. But from speaking with people who had written books in the industry, I spoke with at least 10 of my author friends. They just said self-publishing was the way to go. So I self-published the book, but I got a deal with a trade distributor so that my book would be available at all the big bookstores like Chapters in Indigo. And yeah, the book sold, sold really great and sold thousands of copies. And it's just rewarding getting emails every week from people saying that they've read my book and it's encouraged them to get into the housing market or they found some helpful tips to pay down their mortgage sooner or just giving the book away to their millennial kids to help inspire them to own real estate. So that's really been the most rewarding part of the whole book writing process. Awesome. That's amazing, Sean. And you know what? Kudos to you. And I know we've all been discussing it and we want to do that, but you've done it and and you're affecting so many lives out there and, and changing them for the better. And that's fantastic. So when those people out there, you know, they're going to grab your book, they're going to read your book, but then they're going to hopefully do the discipline things, play a little offense, play a little defense and get to that point. What are some things when they're actually ready to go and get that mortgage that they should consider just besides that shiny number that's on the front of that, whatever color you pick bank, you know, besides the mortgage rate, what are some things that, that they should look for besides just that rate? 
Sure. So there's a saying that I have with my clients and it's that the lowest mortgage rate can help save you hundreds, but the wrong mortgage product can cost you thousands. So what I mean by that is certainly everyone would like to save money on their mortgage, but getting the mortgage at the absolute lowest rate doesn't necessarily make sense in a lot of cases. Now, there's three things that I talk about with my clients and they're called the three mortgage P's because all the letters start with the letter P. So besides mortgage rate, the first P is penalties. Now, a lot of people, when they're thinking, when they're signing up for the mortgage, they're not thinking about breaking it. That's probably the last thing on their mind. But the truth of the matter is people that sign up for five-year fixed rate mortgages, which is the most popular mortgage in Canada, seven out of 10 of them will break it or restructure their mortgage before the end of their term. So if you asked all 10 of those people whether they break their mortgage, probably all 10 of them would say no, but the stats definitely say otherwise. So it's important to know about your mortgage penalties and different lenders charge different mortgage penalties. Typically on the variable rate mortgage, it's just three months interest. It could be different, but that's the standard penalty. On the fixed rate side, it's the greater of three months interest or the interest rate differential. And that's just a fancy way of basically saying, if you break your mortgage, what are the mortgage rates today and how much a loss will the lender take? So the big banks, and, and I, I work with them as a broker, people are very familiar with them, but it's important to be aware that their penalties can be quite strict. Definitely make sure that you understand the penalties because with the big banks, they use their posted rate, which tends to be a bit plated on the side. So if you've read any stories in the media about people paying big penalties, it's most likely due to the big banks. So certainly it fixed versus variable, a mortgage penalty should definitely come into play with that. There are other lenders out there called monoline lenders, which basically deal strictly in mortgages. That's why they're called monoline lenders and they have attractive interest rates. You may not recognize their names, but uh, they're funded for the most part by the big banks and you're taking no extra risk by investing with them and they typically have a lot lower mortgage penalties. So certainly encourage you to consider a mortgage with a monoline lender because I wanted to go with the big banks myself, but then my mortgage broker encouraged me to check out the monoline lenders and ended up with going with one of them and I was definitely very happy and they had flexible prepayment privileges, which helped me pay down my mortgage even sooner. And speaking of prepayment privileges, that's the second P. Now, if you want to pay down your mortgage sooner, it definitely helps to have flexible prepayment privileges. Otherwise, you won't be able to maximize them. Now, a lot of people like to have prepayment privileges, but the reality of the situation is most of us don't max them out like myself, but we just kind of like to have that option. So people just assume, oh, all mortgages have the same prepayment privileges, but that's not true for the most part. I mean, some lenders let you prepay 10% lump sum payment. Some lenders let you do 50%. Some lenders let you do 20%. So if that's important to pay off your mortgage sooner, then prepayments are definitely an important thing to look at. And the third P is portability. Now, if you don't enjoy paying mortgage penalties and haven't met anyone who does, then it certainly helps to have a mortgage that's portable because then you can, uh, if you end up moving to another property later on in between your mortgage term and you end up breaking it, then you can avoid having to pay that big penalty out there. Now, it's important to understand that it's portable upon approval of the lender. So they get the final say at the end of the day, but it certainly is good to kind of have that option 
there instead of being faced with a big penalty and having to either stay put till your mortgage is up or pay the big penalties. Those are the three P's. And certainly there are other things to consider like standard versus collateral charges and the list goes on and on. But uh, those are certainly some important things to look at. And it's not all about interest rate, as, as I like to say to my clients. Right. Work with your mortgage broker and let them know what your plan is. And I think that way you'll be able to get the right type of loan, the right type of lender. And I do want to circle back. So can you give me an example or, or two of a monoline lender? Like what's a company as an example? Sure. A monoline lender like First National, MCAP. RMG, they're names that are not like household names that you'd recognize like a Scotia Bank or an RBC. But as I mentioned, these monoline lenders for the most part are funded by the big banks and you're not taking on any additional risk by taking out your mortgage with them. So I guess some people would rather have a branch and, and visit there in person, but with the cost savings that these monoline lenders offer you in terms of their interest rates, I definitely think they're worth considering. Just because you haven't heard their name, wouldn't dismiss them right away because I cut, was a first time home bar. I'm like, oh, I only want to work with the big banks. But once my broker educated me about the benefits of working with them, he sold me on them. And certainly I'm glad that I had a good broker because the bottom line lender I work with, First National, they had great customer service and excellent prepayment privileges and couldn't have been happier as a client. Their customer service was second to none. So I definitely encourage just have an open mind. If you say that you're just going to work with the big banks, then you're definitely closing out a lot of options out there in, in the marketplace in terms of mortgages. Yeah, and that's where it's key, working with a good broker and having that person on your team, knowing what the goal is, that's definitely a key point. So I know, Sarah, that's a key thing that you talk about a lot as well, too, is working with a broker and having that goal in mind. Everybody has a different goal, whether it's place their income, if it's just a few extra vacations a year. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here as well, and I'm sure you've got a great answer, but a lot of the listeners are real estate investors, myself included, and I think, okay, so for sure, like, why not pay off my house sooner? But my investments, they cash flow, and I can pull out the equity and buy more, and that's how I'm going to scale up. And so what's your comment to that? I think it all depends on what your long-term plan is, because uh, for me, I just bit risk averse and I wanted to get my debt paid off as soon as possible. I guess I'm similar to people maybe that have the mindset like being in the depression, like the old school mindset of the baby boomers, they just perhaps wanted to get their mortgages pay off as soon as possible. Some of them, I guess some of them like their home equity lines of credit, but it all depends on the level of risk that you're comfortable with and what your long-term goals are. I mean, some people perhaps don't want investment properties and some of the headaches that come along with them. I mean, certainly you can have a property manager look after it for you. And I, I think that's a good opportunity, but it all depends on where you are in life and how busy you are and if you're okay with having another active investment. So you have to ask some of those questions, like whether you want the added responsibility of how well diversified are you? Like, where are you thinking about buying the properties? I mean, you of course have to pay down some of your mortgage on your principal residence as well, because you can't just go and get a home equity line of credit if your loan to value is 95%. So taking all those things into account, certainly I think it makes sense for people to invest in properties if they're comfortable with it. And if they're kind of at a point in their life where it makes sense, but all depends on how much risk you're comfortable with and that answer is different for every single person. So it's kind of hard to give a blanket answer like that for all Canadians. 
Absolutely. And I think you said it right as goals, right? Look at your goals. What are you looking to achieve? What's your time frame? Are you looking at income? Are you looking at being able to not have a mortgage to pay? And so I think those are just some important key decisions. And then the other piece I would say is a lot of people look at their house. This is my opinion, and you're more than welcome to disagree. And and I'd love to hear your insights on it. But your house is not an asset, right? It is a liability because you're paying for it. You're paying whether it's taxes or mortgage utilities, et cetera. But when I buy an investment property, I'm like, oh, well, this is not, this is an asset and it's not a liability, but a lot of people think my house is my biggest asset. And what do you say on that? Well, I mean, for me, I was able to turn my house into an income generating asset. So one of the ways I paid out my mortgage super quickly was that I purchased my house and then lived in the basement and rented out the upstairs. So I was able to bring in like $1,500, $1,600 a month by doing that. And certainly help pay it down a lot sooner. So uh, even when I paid off my mortgage, I'm still living in the basement of my house and I have all that extra money coming in. So it's just good to kind of have that safety net. So I, I definitely agree that your principal residence ne- isn't necessarily an asset, but for me, I've, I've turned it into, into an income generating assets awesome. uh, by, by, by making the most of it. So I, I certainly think that it can be an asset in, in cases like that and I can write off expenses related to it and all that. So, I mean, I definitely think it helps you if you are willing to perhaps consider being a landlord. Yeah. And you know what? You're preaching to the choir, Sean. People are calling it house hacking these days or whatever it is, but I as well, I, I live in the triplex that I own as well too. I'm just a tenant here, right? So there is definitely benefits for that too. So what unit did you take? Did you take the basement or did you take the biggest one? Absolutely. I took the basement for sure. There, I can Aww. get, I can, yeah, I can get more revenue from the other two units versus the basement, right? Spoken go. like a true real estate investor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I think we've gotten to the point of the show where we're going to do our lightning round. So Sean, we want you to uh, kind of just give us the, you know, the first answer off the top of your head and we'll probably have a few follow-up. Are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. Sounds good. Fire away. All awesome. right. Question number one, what is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Hmm. I would say set long-term goals and come up with an action plan in order to achieve them. Because a lot of people say they would like to own a house one day, but unless you actually figure out how much money you have to put aside and how much the down payment is of the property that you'd like to buy, then one day may never arrive. So certainly in in terms of coming up with specific goals and writing them down on paper, I kind of start every year on January 1st by writing down my goals for the entire year. So that's probably been the best piece of advice that I got from somebody at like a networking event that I met. Awesome. Okay. And I'm going to adapt the second question just a little bit. So we have it is what's your favorite real estate investing resource, but you were giving us a lot of good numbers and resources and, and what the economy is doing. What's one of your favorite resources or a few that you go to to kind of get stats and numbers to really verify that what you're doing? Yeah, I would say the CMHC website is great. Mortgage professionals of Canada, they have some good statistics as well and read articles from the mainstream media, but I kind of like, I guess, take them with a grain of salt. And I know that perhaps they have a certain angle they're writing it from. I guess my main issue with the mainstream media is that I find that they're too, I guess, negative. Like I want to write a positive book about real estate because yeah, sometimes it can be depressing to say, read headline after headline that says that nobody's ever going to afford a home. I mean, certainly I'm living proof that it is possible, but yeah, those are some of the good resources that I use myself. 
Great resources. I love those as well. Number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? I would say goal setting has helped me a lot, but strong work ethic as well and willing to basically learn from my mistakes too, because I haven't been perfect either. Like I my second tenants, it wasn't really the ideal situation. Like, I guess I knew what I was supposed to do in terms of, of screening tenants. And I kind of gave the tenant benefit of the doubt, even though everything didn't seem perfect on paper. And it kind of came back to haunt me later on. So I guess if you kind of have a bad feeling in terms of your gut feel, I would say, try to listen to it because I kind of regret not listening to it. It <laughs> definitely wasn't a fun situation for that year of living with that tenant. Awesome. All right. So our last question to get to know a little bit more about you, it's an average Sunday morning. What are you doing? Sunday morning. Depends on the Sunday. This past (laughs) Sunday, I was at the spa relaxing with my girlfriend, but usually I'm not doing stuff like that. I'm usually writing away articles or working on mortgage broker files or reading a book to help unwind from the week or educate myself further. So it really depends on the Sunday. I, there's no such thing as a lazy Sunday for me, that's for sure. Sounds great. So where can our Bright Club Nation know more about you or find you? Yes, I have a, a blog on my website at, and talk about my journey as a homeowner. I have the newsletter as well. So that's on the website, seancooperwriter.com. That's S-E-A-N-C-O-O-P-E-R writer.com. I'm also a, a mortgage broker with the company Mortgage Pal, and it's got all my contact information on my website there. So if you're interested in a free consultation, feel free to shoot me an email or phone me anytime and happy to chat with you on the phone. Awesome. All right. And one last piece of advice that you would want our listeners to know. Definitely say that it's important to not necessarily listen to everything that's out there in terms of the mainstream media, people that are telling you, friends, family, telling you, oh, real estate isn't a good idea. At the end of the day, you kind of need to look at your own personal situation, look at your long-term goals and see if owning real estate makes sense. Like I said, If you have a stable job and you're willing to stay long-term in a city, then certainly think the case can be had to buy a property and start investing long-term because definitely like the four savings of real estate and and the fact that if you're buying in a city like Toronto or Vancouver, that more than likely the prices will go up in the future because they have good economies. And yeah, just the four savings because I've heard arguments that you can be better off renting than owning a house, but people just don't have that financial discipline to save the difference and put it aside. So I I really like real estate for the long, for the ability to have that for savings. So yeah, I mean, definitely listen to some advice, but at the end of the day, it's your decision and your decision to make and put the plan into action. Because if I had have given up on buying a house when it was tough and tried to buy it today, then I would have been kicking myself because I certainly couldn't a house so when you're ready and it makes sense in terms of your lifestyle i'd say just go ahead and do it because if you just keep second guessing yourself you're never going to be a homeowner so just pull the trigger and get in sooner rather than later because i'd rather buy at today's prices than the prices in, in five years time that's for sure absolutely great advice get in sooner rather than later you're going to look back at this 10 years from now today's prices are going to be higher in 10 years and you're going to wish if you didn't take action you're going to wish that you did because prices are 
going to go up. They're probably not going to go up as much as in the past few years, but they're going to still be going up and the trend regardless is this way. So awesome. So on that note, Sean, thank you so much for being on the Right Club podcast. We really enjoyed talking to you and you're bringing a great perspective because there's a lot of listeners out there that haven't bought their first property. And so they're looking at different ways to get into the market. So thank you so much for your insights and reach out to Sean guys, if you have any questions and pick up his book. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Thanks very much. It was my pleasure. Cool. Well, Sean is a wealth of knowledge. I really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to a different point of view on how to pay down your mortgage. And I think his book would be a really good read. I'm really excited and looking forward to, to grabbing it and starting to read it. Yeah, I just got on the Audible train. So I'm switching between podcasts and, and books. That's definitely one I'm going to grab on, uh, on Audible for sure. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a good read. But the key thing that I liked what he was talking about is like you play a little bit of offense and defense, right? So you are going out there and investors trying to do find a little bit more cash flow, pick up some extra shifts, that kind of stuff, make some money. But you're also being a little bit more frugal. Like you mentioned, you know, don't help for dinner, all that kind of stuff. So again, I like to help it out the general masses. And then those, the three P's I loved about when you're going to pick out a mortgage, that was kind of cool. You know, the penalties, the prepayment privileges and the portability. A lot of investors are focusing on that rate and it's great. And I love the way the analogy of save hundreds on a rate, but save thousands on the structure of it and the layout of it. Yeah. What were you, some of your takeaways, Sarah? Yeah. I mean, I really like the fact that he is showing others that it can be done. He's a millennial that's been able to pay off his mortgage before being 30. And I think that is a really cool thing that you don't hear a lot in the news. And I think one of the things that intrigued me, he spoke the truth when he said, there's a lot of bad and negative in the news when it comes to mortgages and real estate. And the fact is he was showcased for an amazing thing that he's done and it was positive. And I think we need more of those stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. More and more we're hearing it. It's getting harder to qualify in affordable housing and all the all the government, everything that's coming out in the media. Yeah, it, it is. It gives it a negative spin on it. And people are thinking not to buy properties. But if you're using it in a smart way, and you're doing it in, you know, buying them in good areas where, like you said, even in the podcast, right, it's always appreciated. It's kind of like replicates our logo a little bit, right? Like it's kind of always kind of going up, you're going to have those little dips, but you're buying them the right areas for the right reasons. And you know who your customers are, I think it's always a good investment. Yeah, with the book, even how to write an own book. I know you have aspirations so do i of kind of getting a book and maybe one day we collaborate and do a right club book that would be that would be really that's a good thing we should actually consider a right club book how cool is that that would be cool that would be cool and oh my god what about if we got like contributions from like all of our right club nation and different members and different stories that would be like that'd be like a 10-part book man all the stories and all the things like that that i've heard even just in the short time that'd be really cool i think uh i think you just put a challenge out there so there you heard it, guys, ladies and gentlemen, the yes. right club book collaboration. So I think that's the cool thing. I, one of the biggest pieces of what we're looking at doing with our club is including the community, including the right club nation, including people that come into our right club events that listen to the podcast. Like it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about people that are listening. It's about people that are coming and it's about helping others ultimately. And 
And I think we should do a collaborative book. I think that would be really cool. That'd be really awesome. You know what? All the stories, like, it'd be really great kind of to document them all because I've had so many stories from different people that we've met in, in the two plus years that we've kind of been doing this. And, and it's, uh, it's really cool how they got to different points in their life, different properties, different ventures, how, how they structure different things, their advice before, after, U.S. stuff. There's so many varieties. So that'd be really cool. And, and that's exactly it. That's what the – the right club's all about is is getting to know everybody in that community and hearing the different stories taking everybody's best practices right and learning from those experiences right you see somebody kind of put their hand on the stove and burn themselves well you don't have to you just saw them get burnt so you shut the oven off <laughs> that's some that get that advice so yeah that's a cool idea yeah i love how we can have these conversations just kind of expand into that sarah it's kind of almost dangerous now too <laughs> i know i mean i think we're going to be held to it right people are, are now going to hold guys and if you're listening to this hold us accountable yep. because it's by holding each other accountable and putting our goals out there and verbalizing them that they have a better chance of becoming reality. So super excited about it. Well, there you go. We've got a book now on the way. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Check. All right. Let's get it going. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We have so much fun doing this and thank you for listening. If you think we deserve it, please leave a rating, please leave a review and come to our next event. It's the right club.com. And then you can actually go to the events tab and you'll be able to find all of our future events there. So really excited to meet you in person as well if you're able to get out to Burlington. Absolutely. You know what? Really good content, really good speakers like tonight, like, like Sean, different people that are coming out there, come out speaking, sharing their stuff. But come for the speakers, but then stay for the community. Really, it's a really good group of people that you'll meet with and get a lot of value of. So yeah, therightclub.com, check out the events, leave a review. Sarah, till next time, have fun. Right Club Nation, we'll see you soon. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.